Welcome to Level 7, Episode 142, Marvel's Agent Carter, Episode 6, Life of the Party, and Episode 7, Monster. It's a double night! Welcome to Level 7. Podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Ah, oh, Ben. Ben, it's me, Daniel. Are you there, Ben? I'm right here, Daniel. It's me, Ben. Ben, we... oh, Here together. We gotta... We got to get moving because it was a double night. ABC gave us two episodes and I'm going to say something you never thought you'd hear. What? Can we get out of here so I can go watch the Goldbergs? Say what? Don't you think you should say something in return? Something hot? (laughs) Because I got to get out of here to watch the Goldbergs. I'm very confused. Very, very confused. Is this their special guest episode that they're doing oh it's the special guest episode yeah apparently apparently we've discovered what it takes for me (laughs) to watch the goldbergs i'm saying that out of all the acts that i've seen perform in concert i'm not afraid to admit i've seen him three times ben and who would that be i i know but but let our the man the myth the legend weird al yankovic yeah playing himself yeah playing himself ben i I, i'm gonna lay on the couch here one okay. of the most intense dreams I ever had, and one that I still remember to this day, is that Weird Al Yankovic was my next door neighbor. Borrowing sugar. <laughs> he liked to take a, a youngster under his wing and do a little mentoring. Hmm. Sure, it might have been like the Wonder Years, but there was curly hair and a mustache. Oh, okay. No, still not enough to get me to watch Gallivant. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. He was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, but Gallivant just is not to my taste. Hey, you know who's covering Gallivant? Hopefully somebody in the Noodle Mix Network. It is. The Once Podcast, they are covering Gallivant. They're, they're doing some stuff with that because it's kind of tied in with ABC and the fairy tale angle of things. I don't watch Gallivant, so I haven't been following their coverage. But if you do watch Gallivant or Once Upon a Time or any of that, uh, I think they also cover like the live-action Disney fairy tale movies as well here's all i know ben yeah we got to get to the intelligence report why because i gotta go watch the goldberg (laughs) we gotta get to the intelligence report because i'm not the smartest person in the world sometimes and i need to uh clarify misinformation that i started spreading all right well i'm gonna just sit back relax and i'm gonna take notes and maybe write moments down minutes for us to come back to later so I can say nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Oh, you'll be able to say nanny, nanny, boo-boo plenty of times without this. Oh, but oh. okay. But real quick reference. Let's go ahead and tell folks what they're going to get tonight. What do you mean? After after we're done. Oh, we're oh. not. We're not going to finish Heroes Reborn. We're not <laughs> because like because like NBC, we're going to go ahead and put it on hiatus for no apparent reason. Well, there's a def- there, there is an apparent reason for doing so. 
instead, what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you about Deadpool. And so far, what I've agreed to in my mind is if it's been in a news article or news feed on a major site like Yahoo, I'm probably going to go ahead and spoil that bit. But otherwise, I'm going to try to keep it clean, buddy. Just don't forget, you want to watch Goldberg's. I do, so, I, so I'm not going to – so I'm going to – so <laughs> – Peggy yeah. is going to get like 15 minutes and we'll do an hour of Deadpool. Well, Peggy has two episodes and Peggy okay, also has me. 30. So, well, you do get long winded. I, I can. I can. There's times when you just get up, go and fire up the barbecue. Where's the burgers camera? on? Where's the camera been? The camera? The one where you know that I get up, wander away and just let you go at it. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell because then you come back and I can hear you chewing the burger and then you agree with everything I said. And even though I know you don't agree with everything I say. Well, here's the thing, Ben. I'm going to catch it when I do a listen in three to four months after. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, OK, let's move on to news then. You ready? Let's do it. Um, I have to press the right button. I think it's this one. SSR Intelligence Report. OK, so playing that. Shaking my my shoulders and my head a little bit to the jaunty little music there. Uh, I'm a little sad, but I'm less sad than I was when I thought I was thinking what I thought last episode when we talked about Agent Carter, Daniel. Because I talked about how Agent Carter only had two more nights. And I was wrong. I was very wrong. Uh, Now we have two more nights. But that's because we're adding the third night that we're talking about today. So... To make this a less confusing apology, uh, apparently I, I not I was not misinformed. Um, I won't blame anyone for giving me wrong information. I just took the information and went in the wrong place with it. So after this episode of Agent Carter, these two episodes, we have two more episodes next week: Edge of Mystery and a little song and dance, and then we have one more episode March first. After that. That's episode 10. It's called Hollywood Ending. Okay. So it makes me feel a little sad because that means, you know, we are only going to use this jaunty music two more times uh, unless there's a third season. Now, just to address that, Daniel, may I address that? You mean the news that's come out of pirate season? Okay. There is news that, yes, Haley Atwell is doing a pilot for abc that's not agent carter and there are a lot of people who are speculating that means there will not be another season of agent carter because most people don't take the lead in two series in the same year because it's a lot of work so that's out there i'm throwing it out there what does it mean we have not heard anything officially from anyone about hey girl (laughs) Well, but we haven't heard anything about uh, Agent Carter not being season three. We haven't heard anything about her other pilot getting picked up, anything like that. But it does seem to possibly set up a scenario where they would need a different show to do like what they're doing with Agent Carter right now, which could potentially be something like, I don't know, Marvel's Most Wanted, right? It could be. That could be our opening. It could be. We'll see. Everything's up in the air. Don't take anything uh, seriously unless you've actually talked to a studio exec because the studio execs are not speaking freely right now. 
there's just a lot of people who think they know what's going on. And I can tell you right now, I do not think I know what's going on other than I know I don't know. Well, it's really a convoluted but let's talk the whole, about the whole thing was convoluted from from my admission of idiocy last time to my mission of uh, just no knowledge this time. I, I couldn't just say I was wrong last time. There's 10 episodes and there's rumors going around right now that there won't be a season three there. I just said it in 10 seconds and oh, Daniel, ben, 100 and how many episodes? We We're coming up on 150 episodes, Daniel, and we still can't get it right. I wonder if we'll make it. I wonder um, if I'll make it. I don't know. But let's talk about things we know. Okay. Hey, Ben. Natalia Cordova Buckley has been cast as Slingshot on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Why does this matter? Because it's tied into Secret Warriors? She is a Secret Warrior, as seen in Secret Warriors. She's part of Daisy's team. And I read a description of her power, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if they're going to keep that. And then I saw a preview... And I saw her, and it looks like they're doing some interesting things with that power. Yeah, and we saw that preview. It made me get excited for the fact that before we know it, uh, we're going to go ahead and have our little show back. Yeah, yeah. Not our little, little show, because Agent Carter's our little, little show because it's, you know, like half the size. But there's a lot of superpower stuff going on in that that promo. I don't want to spoil anything, but... Secret Warriors, man. Yeah. I mean, hey, it is I, looking like a different show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but we definitely are getting moored. Some moored action. Hey, can we talk about some other action? Yeah, sure. James Gunn made an announcement that official uh, photography on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 has started, and that included some casting news, which is Kurt Russell <laughs> is appearing in. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Question: Bin, is he Jason of Spartax? Go. I I don't know. I've heard some people say that he's the computer with tennis shoes. No, yeah, he could be. It'd be funny if he was a computer-generated hologram with tennis shoes. But he was one of Walt Disney's favorite stars, so it's it's good to see him cast in a Walt Disney big-budget blockbuster to be. And that announcement came with a an image, an Are image that included members of the cast that we already knew about. And that image could be considered a potential spoiler for some of the things that they're doing going forward with characters we already know. And well, because somebody was tiny. It, it, but not too it, tiny. It warmed my heart. It warmed my heart. And it made me say, you know what? That's fun. They could do something fun and new and different with some of these people that we've gotten to know already. So... So speaking of James Gunn, I do mm-hmm. want to address one more big piece of news. Sure. Uh, hey, Ben, superhero movies are dead. Why are you saying this? Okay, I'm not. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Deadpool crushed it in the theaters last weekend. Crushed it. Yeah. And you know I what? Mean, doubled the performance. But, well, don't go too far, Ben. No, don't no. Go I, I'm going to just say I think 20th Century Fox is going to learn their lesson. Everyone doing superhero movies is going to learn their lesson and they are going to make superhero movies that take the core essence of the character and then find someone who actually cares about the character. That's the lesson that everyone is going to get. Well, that's the lesson that James Gunn got. Yeah, yeah, but it's not the lesson 
that I trust 20th Century Fox to get. No, it appears that the lesson that 20th Century Fox and other studios are getting is, is let's make our superhero movies an R. Because if we make it an R, then people are going to come. Yeah, if we make and it an so R. We've, and so we've seen yeah. rumors this week that the third Wolverine movie is going to be rated R. And regardless of how much I may or may not have watched Deadpool, wink, wink, you'll have to find out later. I really don't want to see an R Wolverine movie. That last Wolverine movie with its PG-13 rating was kind of as far as I was willing to go with my kids. And they, they've seen all the X-Men movies. They've seen the Wolverine movies. And if they make it have, R. Have they seen Deadpool? I, they have not. Then they have um, not seen all the X-Men movies. Gotcha. Gotcha. Spoilers. But um, you, you got me there. But I will say yeah. this. You know, there's been... An audience for Deadpool because it's been R. And I do think that there's some people that went just because it was R. They weren't me. Uh, I went because it was Deadpool. The thing is, is I don't think we need to just start making every R-rated. Okay, Ben, I'll just say it. Deadpool is not the first R-rated superhero movie. Do no, not it is not. Judge Dredd. <laughs> I was Judge Dredd's box office, Ben. Which, I don't by know. the way. I what about Darkman? Do you remember Darkman? Wasn't that R? Yeah. It was a comic, wasn't it? It was a superhero. Well, it was a superhero, and then it was a Marvel comic Spawn. after it. Uh, Spawn was PG-13. Oh, I thought it was R. Mm, pretty sure it was PG-13. The cartoon on HBO was would have been R. I'm just saying there's a lot of precedence that just because you make a superhero movie and you slap an R on it doesn't mean that it's a success. Well, let's face it. it this is Hollywood. If you get money for something... Everyone else is going to look at it and say, how can we replicate that? And James Gunn has laid out the the plan for how you replicate that. And, and it's he did not, it without an R. Yeah. And he's correct. He has learned the correct lessons from Deadpool. Well, that's because he was already doing it, though. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, he did it before. I mean, he clearly loves the Guardians of the Galaxy. He loves that content. He loves what he's written. And he loves what he makes. And And... You know, in many ways, you could say that that's what the crew of Deadpool did to be a success is they did what he did on a smaller scale. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate truth about Hollywood. And it, it who knows what this is going to mean for, you know, DC going forward for Disney Marvel. I don't know what that's going to mean for them going forward. Um, I just know we're going to be seeing copycats coming and. and, and and again, it is frustrating in the sense of I don't need every superhero movie to be an R just because they think it's going to make money that way. We don't need a Fantastic Four R-rated movie. I don't need to have the following conversation about every single superhero movie that comes out from this point forward. But you know, hey, you know that they're Dad, saying that. What about if Fantastic I go Four? when I'm this age and I'm like, mm, 35 is still a good age for you to go <laughs> see Deadpool. You know, that this is good. This is the conversation they're having about Fantastic Four right now over at Fox. Okay, what if we take the Fantastic Four and instead of doing what we did last time, we make it into a raunchy comedy? And then they're like, Yeah, that it's actually three guys work. and a girl in a Fantastic Car. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those. It things. It writes itself. It's one of those things where you could see them looking for the dollar signs instead of looking for what is the heart of the story. And I don't I don't know much about Deadpool in general. I I do have some questions for you and we'll get to that about if this movie is getting to the heart of the character and the heart of the story, but it it doesn't matter. 
they aren't looking at the they aren't looking at the heart of things. They're looking at the the dollar signs. And it's sad. It's for it's the wrong lessons. It's the absolute wrong lessons. But it's the same. I mean, it's happened before. Man of Steel is that the movie that it was because of Dark Knight. Because of Batman Begins and the Dark Knight trilogy. They were looking for the dark movie. How do we make Superman but make it dark and make it make as much money as the Batman one? Because, yeah, it's Superman and it doesn't fit the tone necessarily. And I liked Man of Steel, but there were often times I did not like the tone of it. And it's just the, the lesson learned is how do we make money? Which is why Battle Beyond the Stars, Star Crash... You know, all these movies that came after Star Wars that were just trying to be Star Wars. Even Battlestar Galactica. They missed the point because they were trying to be Star Wars instead of trying to be, you know, have have a vision. You know, if your vision is what is my story, that's great. Your vision should not be what is the other guy's story that I can take and rip off and make the same kind of bank that they made. And there... This has been Soapbox. It's done. I will not be on a Soapbox again tonight. Wait, let me look at my notes. There might be a couple Soapboxes, but okay. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. And I might just be a hot mess about this movie. Because here's the thing, Ben. As I've told you several times, Deadpool's either going to be really, really great or it's going to be horrible. There is no in-between on this. No in-between. I don't think there's any spoilers about how you feel, Daniel. I did not see it. That's the spoiler. Well, my here. new Deadpool pop. He's got a little shower cap on and a rubber ducky. That's great. Well, are you ready to move on to the meat of our episode here? Life of the Party and Monsters. Wrists are up and ready to snap. All right. Here we come. This one. SS Omission Report. All right, Daniel, life of the party. Yeah, too bad this show sucks. Huh? <laughs> too bad. This is a neat episode. It was fun. Dude, neat. Exciting. This, is, yeah, this is so great. It was uh, okay. I, I, I loved this episode. I really enjoyed myself. And yeah, I did too. They brought in elements I wasn't expecting, brought them in in ways that I wasn't expecting. There were some surprises, there were some not surprises. But I'm just seeing this right now, Ben. Say it. Give me a season three. Agent Carter. No Peggy. All Dotty. That could be. I I'd mean, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Technically, it's, it wouldn't be season three. I'm just well, gonna, it could be because she could be like the beginning of this series. She could season. She could pretend to be Peggy. So Agent it's, Carter. But the whole series is about a bad guy pretending to be Peggy. Yeah, and maybe you could have like her Haley coming in like cameo twice or something. Like give her the mission. I'm I'm not with you on that one. But I'm just saying I would watch ten episodes of Dottie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it'd be season one of her show. That's all I'm all right, saying. We'll call it at least one in. Hey, I'm the one who has to catalog the episodes. I'm the one who has to create the sounders and stuff. It's 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 a season one. So Fine, fine. All right, sir. Where do you want to begin? Well, let's do the first 
section before we get to that commercial break. All right. You ready? All right. I'm going to try not to interrupt and antagonize you. All right. (laughs) Agent Carter is convincing Wilkes to create a containment chamber. He's not on board. Okay. Meanwhile, Calvin is trying to convince Frost that he's going to take her in front of the council. She doesn't go in front of the council. She doesn't think she can go in front of the council because she's a woman. They never see a woman, right? So we find out that Carter has a plan how to get into the party. They have to get some of Frost's DNA or some of the, you know, they have to get some of the zero matter in, in Frost's DNA or whatever. They just have to get into the party that, the, that there's going to be at the, the club, the arena club. Is that what it's called? I think it is. Yep. Get some of Frost's blood. But it's a good plan, except for one thing. Carter can't go in. She's too wounded. So they're going to send Jarvis in. obvious. Yeah. So they're going to send Jarvis in because Stark has that connection and whatever. But they need to send someone else. And who is that someone else? Well, she has an idea. So she goes into a prison pretending to be a doctor, a psychologist, to see Dottie Underwood. And so we have our MacGuffin. Our MacGuffin is actually Frost. And this is our reason for bringing our characters together. Uh, Carter needs Dottie, tries to convince Dottie. Dottie says, you know, six walls can't hold me. And then Carter breaks her out. So Dottie was right. Six walls can't hold her. Meanwhile, Anna is helping to make a contain the containment chamber for Wilkes. She's kind of being his hands. Um, and he starts talking about how dangerous the mission will be that Jarvis is going to go on. And... That's that's kind of upsetting to Anna. And then we go back to Carter and, you know, they, they catch uh, they catch Dottie with uh, an electric net and it's fun stuff. And there's our first commercial. All right. Yeah. So we got there's some nice stuff going on in here. We got costumes and secret identities, fake identities. We have spy Early equipment mask. with the little net thing that they fire out. They have we have uh, two personalities coming face to face with with Dottie and Carter. Uh, they each need each other to get what they want. That's a great setup. And our MacGuffin is Frost herself. Another great setup. I think this is the first time we really hear dark matter specifically referenced. It definitely stood out as something being said. Another thing here is. We get that early Madame Mask mask. You know, we're beginning to see an evolution of covering up the scars and making a mask. Yeah. I hear it's just a giant bow, but you definitely get the sense that it's coming. Yeah. So after our commercial break, we come back and we have everyone getting ready for the party. So for for, uh, Dottie, she wakes up in a chair and she is in a nice evening gown. Um, they are giving her a necklace that has poison in it that also has a tracker in it so she cannot get away from them. Um, Jarvis does not get to have a weapon because Dottie will use it against him. Meanwhile, Frost is getting ready to go to the party. She says, I look like a circus sideshow. And that's where he finds uh, Calvin, her husband, finds a perfect hat that covers just the side of her face and also perfectly matches the shade of her own evening gown. And then we get the mission. And Underwood, Dottie, flirts with uh, Wilkes. Uh, 
but then she kind of reaches out to touch him and can't. And she's getting the idea that this is not just a regular mission. And from there, we get Carter and Sousa in a stakeout in the truck. Jarvis and Dottie are dancing. And as they are dancing, before we go to commercial break, who would walk in but someone from the East Coast? Someone who's on a death watch. Someone who is working with the devil. Thompson, Agent Thompson walks in. This is a problem because Agent Thompson has seen Dottie and also knows Jarvis. So, yeah. Anything here at this section? Um, I will have to compliment my kids because my oldest at this point did look over and say, she's tricking him. He's tricking her. So definitely catching on to the fact that Chadwick is naughty. Well, you know, we got that impression from last episode. When he made the call, he was not seeming to make the call to say, hey, guys, there's something awesome here that you guys need to see. He was calling in complete and utter terror. But and we see the terror. I mean, he doesn't like hugs. That's for clear. That's for sure. To make him nervous. Yeah. You know, I mean, I thought I didn't like hugs. I would have a problem with a hug from my wife if it would, you know, send me to some sort of weird, gooey, gloppy, goo glop. And yeah, I, I I would not like 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 hugs if that were the case. We do, we do kind of have to think about this plan, though. You know, Jarvis can be there because Howard pays every politician off. Mm-hmm. You know, he donates to them all. So you can make some sense of the fact that Jarvis is there because of Howard's connections. But for being such a cleverly thought through plan, well, Thompson's having none of it. Yeah, but, well, we're not there yet. I mean, they haven't. Thompson hasn't seen Jarvis yet, but um, yeah, it, it, that is a problem because they weren't. Ex- they, they obviously were not expecting Thompson to be there. Thompson is in New York. Why would he be there? You know, he's got a he's got a bureau to run. He's got a, his own department of SSR to run. So this is a nice, this is one of the surprises I was talking about where I was like, oh, that is a good little thing to throw at them that's going to take this perfect plan and, and take it off the rails. So, all right, should we move on to the next section? Let's do it. All right, well, Masters and Thompson talk to Chadwick and Frost while Jarvis panics and loses track of Dottie. Masters is the gentleman from the government that Thompson has been working with and that has been in- encouraging Thompson to, um, you know, be something better than just the SSR, you know. So <clears throat> they're introduced as um, men who keep this world spinning. I like that phrase. Uh, and then it gets brought up that uh, nuclear material was stolen under his watch, more or less, and that it was carter who did it and he says you know carter is disobeying your direct orders you can't let a female subordinate make an ass out of you like this and meanwhile (laughs) jarvis is given the task of distracting thompson thompson now here is where uh, it's another one of those moments where jarvis is made out to look like the fool but it is funny because jarvis interrupts the perfect distraction in order to be his own distraction because uh, a lovely lady has taken an interest in talking to Thompson and has completely caught Thompson's attention. And Jarvis steps in right between them 
And now Thompson is on Carter's track. If Jarvis is there, then Carter cannot be too far away. Meanwhile, uh, Dottie does get the sample of uh, whatever fleshy DNA, zero matter stuff she was getting and promptly sets off to figure out how she's going to escape. So she leaves her own hat in the bathroom. Her hat had communication ties to uh, to Sousa and Carta. Carta? <laughs> Carter. And then Chadwick takes his wife into the council where they talk about zero matter. Now, in doing so, um, Dottie is kind of pushed back, uh, you know, kind of she is in a place where the group is coming toward her. So she steps into the room where they are coming to meet. So she steps into a wardrobe kind of thing. And she's able to watch all of this as she's a spying spy who spies. Yeah. Frost does a rat demonstration. Sucks the rat into her hands. And she, she thinks that she is on their side and she thinks that they are on her side and then they attack her. Uh, they attack her by putting these things, uh, you know, dog catcher kind of things, the the uh, pole with a little loop of of rope at the end of it around her neck. So she can't reach them to touch them. However, she's able to extend her power beyond touch. Um, we'll talk about that. But it absorbs half of the council of nine and Chadwick. So I, I mean, technically, for all you math people out there, she is absorbed, I think, more than half of the council because only four are left, I believe. But it, but it's targeted because it's not like she just took guys on the right side of the room. No, no. She has left people intentionally. We'll get to why in a moment. But, um, yes, the people that she has taken and absorbed are people she doesn't need. But what do you think about this extension of her power now? It, because it doesn't – it's not like she's shooting it across the room. It actually seems to like travel from her across the floor and then up to the people to absorb them. And I think it's a good extension. To I think be it's honest. Cool. And and it makes her more of a threat in the sense of, you know, you can't just have it controlled by touch. She can reach out and get you. It it's like tentacles. It it will touch you if you will not touch it. Yeah. Yeah. She she has uh she has evolved. You know, she is becoming more powerful, having more control over the zero matter. And I thought it was a really neat effect. And then when I realized this is before we go to commercial break. Okay. She's left some of them there. This wasn't some random, you know, I'm just reaching out after going after whoever just happens to be nearest to me or something like that. You know, she's, she's calculating. She's picked. I don't know how soon or how how early it, she was you know, kind of planning who she would absorb and who she would leave behind. Uh, if this is something she's doing on the fly or if this is something she kind of maybe already thought that it was a, a trap. Because she seems, when she's doing the demonstration with the rat, I believe she believes that they are there listening to her about, you know, zero matter is not about energy. It's about power. And well, and they do a really nice job of making us think for a few moments that they're talking to her. You're about, not crazy. Thank you for showing us this. I believe we're all in agreement how we're going to proceed here. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, deadpan. But it takes a moment for you to realize 
Oh, they're not looking at her. No, they're talking they're to. Yeah, they're Chadwick. looking past her. They're looking to the to hubby. And and then he makes the motion for the uh, the goons to step in. The goons also got absorbed, by the way. I'm just saying, I'm not allowed to come home if I do that to Mrs. Butcher. Yeah, you know, if I betrayed my wife to my my uh, cronies, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't. I'd be sleeping on the couch. Yeah, she doesn't care how evil she is. If I do that, I'm I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. It just. Th- you know, clearly Cal and, and Frost didn't have a very good marriage. They might need a counselor. Well, he's he's dead. Well, so. yeah, I mean, this this marriage is beyond repair at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing we can do here at this point. Once you absorb your husband into dark matter and bring them into your own flesh, um, you're kind of beyond the, the point where you can... Dude, dude, family show, settle down. I'm just saying, you, you they're dark matter now. And and you're not going to be able to to repair that unless they are, you know, going through into some sort of extra dimensional place, you know, like the planet where uh, where Simmons spent all that time. And, and then then they can reconcile. I'm going to guess probably there's not reconciliation that's going to happen with them. But I have been wondering, like, is this stuff being transported and not just absorbed uh, and transformed maybe into energy or whatever. I've, I've been curious. We will find well, out, but not in this episode. Well, see, you know, throughout this has made it clear. He goes somewhere. And he's pretty scared of the, where that place is. So Exactly, exactly. This is where I'm just, I'm getting excited about potential ties to what we had happen in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But at the same time, I still don't feel a connective tissue here. So we'll see. We will see. I mean, they're talking about how this is a lot of uh, connection to Dr. Strange, but so far it's just kind of its own thing right now. And it has its own rules and they even call it out. You know, it's, it's different. You know? Dude, dude, this is a prequel to Iron Man too. <laughs> well, it is. I'm serious. It's a prequel to Iron Man 2. It's a, it's a prequel to, you know. Po- important pot, plot point from Iron Man 2 is in here. And what's that? Well, we're not there yet. Okay, all right. Uh, the next section, we find out why she has chosen the survivors that she has chosen. There's Jones. Uh, she needs unrestricted access to all Roxxon facilities. There's Hayes, who controls the newspapers, and she is going to use him. The first thing she's going to use him for is to fabricate a story for why these people are, you know, have just disappeared. And then of course, your husband, a president, no, a senatorial candidate. Yeah. And then of course there's that idea that she just wants power, unlimited power. Hey, all she needs is a hoodie and she's there. She's close. She's close. Meanwhile, Jarvis reports to Carter. Um, He's panicking. Uh, Carter decides she's going to go after him, help him, but she pops some stitches in her side where, you know, that rebar went through and like pierced her flesh entirely. And it's not a good, if you're a spy, that's just not the condition you want to be in when you're going on a mission. And we do get some wisdom from Sousa. Sometimes you have to put your faith in others to get the job done. 
Meanwhile, Dottie is intrigued and now has reason to hang on to the sample that she has stolen. After everyone leaves the room, she is able to leave the room. Um, we get two different fights. We get Dottie fighting goons and stuff in the building. And then Thompson takes her out pretty easily. And then we have Sousa kind of fighting a little bit with Carter. Not just about, hey, are you going to go? Um, but, hey, you know, uh, what's her name? Violet? She's left me. You know, she broke off the engagement. And why did she break off the engagement? Because she thinks I'm in love with you. And there's a hand touch. And what does it mean? It's true. As we look longingly. Oh, they look longingly. They absolutely look longingly and at each other. And begin to lean. They Oh, they lean in. And then the music from Arrow begins to get piped in. They lean in, and then something lands on top of the truck. It's raining men! <laughs> Hallelujah! It's oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, we got, we got Dottie getting taken out by Thompson. That's super easy that that happened, but um, she's been fighting these other guys, and she's wearing the an evening gown. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're well, wearing an evening gown, evening you're not going to be... This was... What? Let's talk about this evening gown. Yeah? Because it was brought up by one of the one of my kids, and I, I think they're right. Those colors remind you of anything? Um, they were, were they black and red? Black and red. Yeah. What does that remind that me of? Kind of an hourglass thing in the middle. Uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Yep, that's it. It's totally yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man. Good enough. This we is look- our this is our tie-in to Captain America: Civil War with Spider-Man colors. I don't yeah, think that's, that's not what that's you're saying, it. is it? Yeah, you're you're, you're, yeah, you're going a different direction with this, I think. Yeah, yeah that's totally it, Ben. I'm glad you spend a lot of your time studying and reading comic books, so because uh, you could you you nailed it. You nailed it. Also, Blade kind of has a black and. Yep, yellow scheme. Yep. Yeah. Got me there. Okay. Okay, well, moving on. Yep. So doesn't it all remind me of Black Widow's costume in the comic books? But, oh. You know. Oh, there is that too. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, Ben. So cheers to you. But considering they're re- referencing that possibly, she gets taken out like a punk. Well, Thompson is a chief of an entire SSR office. Yeah. I just expected more from Dottie. I expected more from Dottie. Oh, by the way, uh, she dropped the sample. Yes. (laughs) Chekhov sample. If there was one thing about this episode that kind of bugs me, it's that they got the sample so easily. Well, you know what kind of bugs me about that? is we get these scenes of Jarvis overhearing the entire lover's conversation, you mm-hmm. know, did she, didn't she? Um, but yet Jarvis comes up with the sample and we, that's all off camera. It's yeah. Yeah. That, that's what bothered me. It's just so quick. It's off camera. I, I don't know if, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of strange, strange storytelling choice here. It's the most important thing in this episode. Yeah, and it's all off camera how they retrieve it. Yeah. Yeah, but they get it. Jarvis comes, they have the sample, Dottie is gone, but they have to get out of there. And yeah, so then Frost uh, 
it turns out Masters is part of the the group of people. He's not part of the Council of Nine necessarily, but he's definitely part of that Council of Power. And he's told. Don't you get the sense that maybe he's their heavy? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's definitely their their big gun in the government. And he's told that Frost is calling the shots. No, no, I I think he's one of their big guns, but I think he's the big gun that has guns. I think they've got bigger guns power wise in the sense of I think they probably do have senators and congressmen and oh, maybe yeah. even a president in their back pocket. But I think that Vernon is their highest ranking gun with guns. Well, he confronts Thompson about Carter, tells him to take care of her. And Thompson doesn't feel comfortable killing her. But, you know, who said kill, right? That would be wrong. Morally. And strategically. Uh, he but wants, more importantly, strategically. Yeah. He wants Thompson to d- destroy and discredit Carter. Meanwhile, they're able to bring the sample back to Wilkes. He gets them working. Uh, he wants to get everyone working on you know this situation with him, but they need to go after Dottie. And yeah, he's getting frustrated because they're more concerned about this assassin than him. It seems like Thompson comes to Stark's place, confronts Carter, knows about Catherine Wexford, which is the uh, identity that she gave when she was pretending to be a psychologist. Um, and he says, you know, there's no place for you for, for agents who can't follow orders. And, you know, you're fighting a losing battle. And she says, I'm not going to lose. And he says, yes, you will. And when you do lose, you'll never see it coming. I thought the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I know you did. You can't help yourself. None of us could. None of us can. And we have a little mini tag here. It's not a tag scene after the credits, but it's just this mini, mini quick scene where we find out that Frost has Dottie. And that is our cliffhanger ending for this episode. Thoughts, Daniel? I love this episode. We have, we get brought to a really nice position here with Thompson having to go after Carter, with Masters, you know, having to deal with the situation. Frost has Dottie. What does that mean? Who knows? And what about Wilkes? What about Wilkes? What about Wilkes? Ben, I've got breaking news. What's that? Jamie Alexander has broken off her engagement. What are you doing? There's, there's hope for Thor. Oh, were you off uh, making burgers or hot dogs? No, and... it just flashed up. Uh-huh. So I, you know how it is. I'm just waiting for the blind spot to end. So I've got kind of a you know, news feed that catches her name because I'm waiting for blindside canceled guest mm-hmm. star appearance agents of shield. So. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm just saying there's hope out there agents. So there's for you in answer to my question, Daniel, what do you think of this episode? Your answer is, uh, someone might be breaking up with their dude. I love the rumors. I love the gossip. You know me, but most of all, I love this episode and I don't know how many times I could tell you I'd watch 10 episodes of Dottie. She is delightful. Let's talk about Dottie. Do you be able to see this wise Kraken tough, smart, scheming in the sense of, you know, 
she's got loyalty only to herself. It was pretty fantastic. She's a great nemesis slash reverse image of Peggy. She really is. They're both professional. They're both capable. But, you know, Dottie, Dottie makes a crack where Peggy would be quiet. Dottie looks out for herself when Peggy looks out for everyone else. And it's kind of fun. I was trying to figure out, though, if Dottie's characterization in this episode was the same as last season, because I don't remember her being quite so talkative. But but let's remember, when we saw Dottie, we saw Dottie as Dottie pretending to be that Midwestern girl mm-hmm. in the big city. Well, at first, especially, yes. Yeah, so she's pretending she's she's basically put on a cover. Then when we see Dottie, we, next, we really see Dottie the professional. We don't get a lot of talky-talky in the sense of, you know, this Dottie gets to come out. I mean, it's just the circumstance. It's yeah. Delightful. It's delightful. Yeah. Uh, this Agent whole episode. Carter, the, Agent Peggy, Agent Carter, season three, the Dottie Chronicles. <laughs> or possibly, you know, just Red Widow. Just call it Red Widow, right? No, they got a book out right now about that. And- one of these days. I know, but you could, you could, they could co-opt that title because she's, she's communist. Although there are suggestions in the next episode that nobody in Russia really cares. Leviathan is not trying to find her or bring her back. Uh, She's kind of cut off. She is uh, actually, that's another, another tie in with Carter. Uh, She's cut off from the organization that she was dedicated to. Uh, but yeah, I think I know they have that current series, the Red Widow, like young adult novels and stuff, or at least one. Is it? A, I was gonna say I don't really think it's a series, Ben. I think it's intended to possibly become a series, though. Like, like anything, if it's successful, let's let's do more. And and I do think we were both underwhelmed when we read the Red Widow comic in the 50th anniversary of Shield. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't bring me in. It didn't. It didn't make me care much, but yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? I'm probably not going to read it. That's who knows. I know that ben, I'm probably not going to read it. Ben, I've got 99 problems. Red Widow is not one of them. But then as I stare here at my desk, apparently one of my problems is Starfire is missing a hand. I repeat, Starfire is missing a hand. We're just really staying on topic, aren't we? So Dude, our next episode, me. next episode is Monsters. And... We start out with monsters with Frost, the grieving widow, giving a speech with her cover story that her husband and some of his cronies were lost at sea. (coughs) Another evolution towards the mask, the veil. (laughs) She is wearing a very nice veil. Wink, wink. Very nice veil. Uh, Frost plans to set Dottie against the people that she has coming after her, like Carter and them. Uh, there's uncomfortable tension, though, between Sousa and Peggy as they are at the the news conference watching um, Frost uh, set uh, this lie down. 
Meanwhile, Masters, Vernon is torturing Dottie or planning to torture Dottie. Um, he is going to use a truth serum on her, but when he gives and it to home, her, don't forget the home uh, implements. The yeah, well, the handyman's toolbox. Yeah. Um, but the truth serum when he gives it to her, she just says, "Well, it's like mother's milk." She she is ready for this kind of thing. She has been trained for this kind of thing. She's pulled out her own nails. She says, pulled out her own teeth. She says, and then the truth serum is like mother's milk. Meanwhile, Anna is still helping Wilkes and Wilkes almost disappears. And Jarvis is working on fixing the transponder to try and follow the, the homing device that's uh, or the homing beacon, rather, that's in the necklace that uh, the Dottie was wearing. And Wilkes, you know what the great news about this situation is, too? What? He's Jarvelous. Boom. Nailed it. Yeah, but Wilkes doesn't think so. Jarvelous would be the last word that Wilkes would use to describe this. Because he is angry. Because he's not being 100% open with everyone. And he says this isn't just about his death. You know, she's an assassin. You're trying to save her life, but this isn't just about my death. I am facing much worse than that. Well, and let's be honest. This is coming off an episode that ends with him being like, great, let's save me. And everybody being like, whoa, slow down. They captured Dottie. And he's like, what? Yeah, I'm. Pay attention to me. This is I. I we've all been there. I am you know, right there with in, him. <laughs> I am right there with him. And they're like. No, you need to pay attention to Jimmy. We don't like Jimmy. Stupid Jimmy. Yeah, we I have mean, our own problem. Here's and that's what, he, what Wilkes is going through. Here's what he's looking at, though. He's looking at he's it's, it's a situation where that person that nobody likes is over there, and they scrape their knee, and everyone is fawning over them, but he's sitting there with a broken leg, and no one is looking at him. I am with him. I was with him last episode when he, he's like, hey, let's get going. Well, not quite yet. I'm only going to die here any minute. You know, you've been watching me yourself disappear more and more often. And there is no we don't know what's happening to Dottie right now. We do know I'm my time is limited. I'm with Wilkes on this. Man. I'm dying here, man. Dying. No, it's not just about dying. It's much worse than that. Yeah, it's going to whatever this place is that he won't describe to us or tell us what it is. And I just want to know. And maybe that's why I want them to help him. <laughs> help the guy so I can find out what he knows. You just want to know what's going on in those quantum realms, don't you? Ben? I do. I do. Meanwhile, Masters keeps on drugging Dottie. And this is what he says. This is, this is what I was saying. He's a girl or she's a girl without a country. She's an assassin without a target. Um, and just as he's, you know, on a roll, Frost has requested his presence and she puts him on his own task, a new task, the original rods from the Isodyne test. Meanwhile, the whole situation with Dottie, it needs a woman's touch. And so Dottie goes down or, uh, Frost goes down and confronts Dottie. The tracking device has been disabled from the necklace. Um, 
she talks about the movie industry and how it's taken too much from me from too long. It's taking my childhood, taking my innocence. We're in the same boat. Uh, that's that's uh, Dottie saying we're in the same boat, and and Frost is like, no, no, we're not in the same boat. We're not even in the same ocean. And she touches Dottie's flesh. And finally, we have the torture that instantly leads to answers. Instantly. Yeah. By the way, Ben, I have a quick announcement to make. Um, I'm afraid I have to leave the podcast to start my own punk rock band, Drugging Dottie. Yeah. Really? I think it's a great band name. Mm, I've, no. You've heard better, haven't you? Much, much better, yeah, yeah. Fine. Well, me and the band will just have to go on hiatus then. Much like Wild Stallions, I'd have to learn how to play an instrument. So We come back from commercial break, though, and you were absolutely right. Frost has broken Dottie. We come back to commercial break, and it is on Dottie's screaming mouth that is being choked by the zero matter black tar. I'm getting an X-Files vibe here, by the way, with all the the black tarry kind of gooey kind of stuff going on. And Dottie tells her everything. But she's still useful. Meanwhile, back at the team, they have activated the containment field. <laughs> do I do my and mini then, rant right now? And then we're going to walk into an episode. No, go ahead. You do, do yours. Let me, let me do my mini rant right now. What's the first thing that Wilkes does to prove that he's solid? He touches the floor. Right? Well, well, it's not like he's been able <laughs> he's to He's been touch standing the on the floor, floor the entire time. But he's touching the floor and that's his proof. Oh. It worked. My feet have been on this this entire time, but it works I This is nitpicky stuff, but <laughs> would you believe because TV? I'm going to have to believe, not just because TV. I mean, it's anything. If anything, he should have been floating around all the time. And but this this happens all the time, where you have people who are, you know, able to pass through walls and stuff, but they don't pass through the floor as they're walking through the wall. You know, it's just one of those inconsistencies that I'm just one of those guys who brings it up. Anyway, he kisses Carter. She kisses back. Then she pulls away. Whoops. And at that moment, Dottie's transponder reactivates. Isn't that convenient? So they call Sousa, but Sousa is uh, dealing with Masters, uh, who is in his office. And Sousa does a great job playing it off as his mom calling her. I think it was his mom, right? His mom. Thank goodness we still have her. So they're going to go after Dottie. Clearly, they're going to do a trap, but they know it, and they're going to do it anyway. So we're at a commercial break again. Daniel, anything here other than touching the ground? I think you might have something to talk about from this, this section. No, no, I was what just going to say, and then we insert the music from a very special episode of Arrow. <laughs> now, you're talking about Arrow because it's on the CW, and, and they, they focus on these you know relationship-type soap opera type of things, right? Well, yes, and let's be honest, the one thing we've been able to avoid in Agent Carter until now is the love triangle. And it's fully in play, Ben. I'm sure you've used it in your own writing, being a somewhat lazy writer at times. 
Um, we've all Wait, seen it before. You know, what? we're all going to see it again. It, it's drama. You know, if you're going to I, have drama. I, I apologize. I don't actually think you're a lazy writer. It's it's drama, though, here. And I think, be, I mean, if you're watching Arrow regularly, maybe this would get on your nerves, but I'm not. And hey, I've been told this season of Arrow is much better. I, I'm just saying I'm not watching Arrow, and this doesn't bother me too much. Now, yeah. I did see an episode of Arrow. The Flash was on it. The the love triangle can triangle can be a cliche, but it isn't always. Maybe it is always. But what are you going to do with a cliche? You know, it works well, because you know, as George Lucas says, cliches work because they work. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Not knowing that George Lucas has already said it, but it doesn't surprise me because he said a lot of things that are very smart. He's also said some some things I don't agree with, but. This is one I do. Uh, it's just, can you do it well? And I, I feel like they're not overselling it. You know, this is a emotional moment. In fact, Carter's going to say that herself. So, yeah, they're going to a trap. Anna sees Jarvis demonstrating the jitterbug. It's a silver whistle fan. <laughs> that... Um, at least it's not an ice cream maker. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they could have done a little bit more, maybe, to uh, disguise what it actually is. But they have, yeah, they, they've done it up. You know, like, it's a classic sci-fi trope, I guess, where they take something from the real world and just paint it and add some buttons, and then it's something that's from the sci-fi world. But it's a pretty impressive weapon. And... uh she realizes that the Jarvis likes what he's doing and, and they have a nice little moment there. She says, she needs you and I can see how much you need this. And she says, I'm going to let you do this as long as you let me wring my hands from time to time. You know, and really what we're getting here is some moments building up. You know, we, we've debated this before because uh, we've talked about Howard's called it out. We've talked about the fact that, you know, he's even said um, Jarvis that he's bored. Yeah. You know, and he hasn't been had this much inter, interesting things occur since the last time she was around. Well, and you know, now that now we're finding out there's a consequence because now that Anna's realizing that he needs this, she's not trying. She's worried. She's scared. It's not like she's overly. Overly protecting him. But she's going to let him go because she loves him. Give it to him. He needs it, she says. But yeah. she's scared. She's scared, but I think she's also a little bit proud. That's the feeling I get. But here's, okay, at this point in time, I'm thinking to myself, we've seen Anna a lot in the last two Finally. episodes. And that's a good thing. But then I start wondering, okay, so what does this mean? Now, I am wrong. What I was thinking as we were leading up to what it means for Anna at the end of this episode, I was wrong. Were you thinking that it was he was going to finally have consequences for his behavior? No, I was thinking and it comes out later when she's just kind of sitting and having moments with Wilkes. Solo moments with Wilkes where they're talking about, you know, just nice little conversational things. I was thinking, are we looking at Anna from Hydra? 
No. I was wondering. Who are I, you? I was wondering. Have you become me? I was wondering if she was somehow either on the other side with with Frost, on the other side with Hydra, on the other side with, with Russia. I didn't know. But I was wondering, are we looking at someone who is getting ready to make a play? You know, her handlers are finally saying, okay, it's time. We need what you've got access to because of these quiet moments. Now, I was wrong, but it felt like we were leading in that direction. I really did. I really, really did. <sighs> anyway, uh, Masters is buttering up Sousa now and saying, hey, I need you to get these things. I need you to find the people who stole the nuclear rods and I need them back. I need them back. And Sousa makes a tactical error here. He says, don't get your hopes up. <sighs> and we'll, we'll, he says it again later on, but I feel like the tactical error here error here is for him to play along. I said, yeah, yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. We will, we will do what we can. We will get what you need. Uh, instead of, you know, really being antagonistic toward masters. So. I and, think he already knows. You think masters think already masters knows? knows that, you know, Maybe, but still, I think Sousa, I, I just feel like he should have played along. I said, yes, you know, you, you got it. We will do everything we can. Ben Thompson-esque. But, but Thompson-esque, you know, as a, as a ploy, you know, not, not as a, you know, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, we will do this. We will make this happen because I want you to, I want to be in your good graces, but Yes, sir. We will do this because I need to buy some time. <laughs> anyway, uh, we go from that to Jarvis and Carter having relationship talks about Sousa and Wilkes. And and this is where she says it was an exciting moment. I, he kissed me and I indulged him. And <laughs> Jarvis says, you've gone from famine to feast vis-a-vis -vis quality suitors. Which, I mean, they do recognize. These are two good guys. Yeah, yeah. Even though... In fact, I don't even want to put either one of them on the death watch. You know? I'm afraid to. But that would solve the problem. Another cliche and trope. Yeah. I've seen Pearl Harbor. <sighs> Pearl Harbor. Wow. I hated that movie. You know what would have really helped in Pearl Harbor? Uh, I if if after it, uh, Harnett comes back, spoilers. If at some point uh, she had yelled it back at him, we were on a break. I uh, that would have made me happy. Uh, I would if there was anything worth spoiling in that movie. I would spoil it just to spite that movie. And I would I would I would not feel bad. We were on a break. Oh, that movie. That was so, what a stupid, terrible. I'm sorry if people like that movie because I have nothing but vitriol for that. Anyway, uh, before we go to the commercial break, um, Carter and Jarvis come in under car cover of night and they head into the trap. And the device, the codes that uh, Jarvis puts in don't work. 
and they are captured. So he forgot the extra X in War Machine Rocks. <laughs> well, he forgot something. We'll find out what the deal was soon enough. So Anna and Wilkes have some quality time. Peggy and Dottie have some quality time. And this is where I, in my notes I actually wrote down. Um, oh, I remember why. Because I, you know, something is up with Anna. You know, something's happening with Anna. The, and then I remembered the code. The code didn't work. And they spent so much time on that code. I'm thinking they're setting up Anna as having changed the code so it wouldn't work so they would get captured right wow you are oh yeah because you thought she was hydra i thought she was somehow possibly a bad guy and no they're not setting up anna (laughs) they're setting up the joke it's the wrong measurements from i i didn't write down who it was that they they use the measurements from but they're um jane mansfield Barbara Stanwyck? Barbara Stanwyck, yeah. Yeah, so it was with 32, 33, 30, whatever. But um, the wrong measurements were used, and so the measurements that he wanted to use would have been the instant attack, and the, the measurements he was using were a delayed activation. Also, we find out that they have walked into a trap, but they realize this is the wrong trap. Frost has left. And the trap is to get Carter out and let Frost in so she can go to Wilkes and find out what's going on with the uh, specimen that they took from her. And I also, I wrote in my notes, because Anna then walking around the house trying to get into the the alcohol cabinet, which I th- first I thought was a gun cabinet, and I'm thinking, oh, she's going to let Frost walk right in. But no, no. But I wrote in my notes, Anna knows more than she lets on. No, she didn't. She didn't. Oh. Anything more to talk about with this section? Well, we do have in a lot of this conversation pointing back to the fact that maybe Dottie has legitimate reason to not trust Peggy because she's really learned from Vernon. What she's learned of, about Vernon and the United States government at this time is that men are in charge. And, you know, if you put me back in prison, they're just going to kill me because guys like Vernon are going to do things like this to me. They're horrible and they're awful and you can't trust them, which means I can't trust them. And uh, to put me back in prison is betrayal. And at this point, I'm like, man, Dottie's got to break out. Otherwise, we don't have season three. Oh, my good Dottie journal. <laughs> Uh sure. Anyway. So it's Frost versus Wilkes. Wilkes is in the chamber. It's working. He is solid. He can eat. He has been eating with Anna. She's been making him Hungarian food, which is eh, you know. Drinking Howard's wine. Don't forget drinking Howard's oh, wine. Oh yeah, yeah. Was a two hundred dollar bottle of wine and then four hundred. And then Anna says, let's get a, what, $2,000 bottle of wine? $1,000. you are really off on your number. I didn't write it down, and, you know, for various reasons, uh, we weren't able to record the night of. But anyway, she tries to take back her essence. Tries to absorb 
her essence back from Wilkes and possibly take Wilkes along with it. Tug of war! It does not work well for her. It does not work well for her. Now, first she starts trying to manipulate him, trying to get him on her side. You know, I want to change the world for people like us, but it it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, ooh, yeah. Ooh, there's a lot going on here. A lot tied to the themes of the show with inequality. Maybe I should just let you talk some more before I go off on a high horse other than to say Palladium Core. Yeah, Iron Man 2 prequel right here. Oh, that's right. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, because that's something Stark had. It was Don't put it in your chest. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Uh, Anna sees them leave. Anna goes out to help. Anna gets shot in the gut. Sousa goes home and is attacked in his home in the middle of the night. And the team comes back. They find Anna on the ground. We are leaving our group at their lowest. At their absolute lowest. In the hospital... Dottie is left in the trunk of the car. Carter tells an officer, don't get into the trunk of the car. Do not let the person out. It's bad news. And so, of course, you know what he does. But we don't know what he did. Well, we know what he does. You know, as soon as she says, don't do it, you know what he's going to do. Because Dottie's gone. He's been shot. Well, but Dottie could have used the necklace to pop the trunk and get herself out. I think he opened it. But, I mean, there's the, the, again, going back to that last episode, a little bit of a problem that that action's happening off screen. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's not a bad one to have happen off screen, though, because then the way that they portray it, someone shot the police officer outside and they run out there. And that, that I like. That's drama. Dropping something, you know, and then having someone who's on a mission to find that thing and they just show up with the thing. That, that's a little different. Masters is waiting for Sousa at work. Masters is taking over. And then we have Jarvis and Peggy waiting to find out what's going to happen with Anna. And we have no hope. It's a sweet uh-huh. little moment with them where they hold hands. It's gentle. It's platonic. It's the relationship that I like with them where they're genuinely close friends who care about each other. They really do care about each other. We have no hope. Everyone is at their lowest at this point. We have, I don't know where you can go to get lower than this, but yeah, I, this is good drama. And if last time we were left off with a great cliffhanger of what's going to happen next with all these subplots, this one, it's more of an emotional cliffhanger. What's going to happen next with all of these just problems that are now deeper and it's not just Jarvis is this goofy goofball, but yeah, I, I like this episode. So. I, I also like this episode. I do want to talk a little bit about Whitney's speech to Wilkes. Right. Trying to win him all. I'm going to go uh, light the barbecue and uh, throw some burgers you on. You've got the time. You know, she really does call it out. You know, you're, an African-American man, a black man in America in the 1940s. Did you really think we hired you at Isodyne because of what you were capable of? 
and really calls out the fact that he is one of several isolated and disrespected groups within the United States at this time. He's not the only one. Uh, the dead girl from the lake is also another. Um, yeah, you were hired because you could do these things. We could have found others too. But we also hired you because you'd fight for us because we gave you these things and you needed to keep them. And that allowed us to manipulate you. We could play you because you would always be grateful for what we gave you. And we saw that in the opening episodes where he's like, well, I said, I ain't the only one hired me. You know, I have to be sneaky about this. I can't betray. I said, I there. They took care of me. The other thing that is just cruel that she makes clear is you're also expendable. Who was going to notice if yeah. we killed you, we needed to eliminate you. Who would have noticed? Yep. Here you go. Uh, you didn't give me time to finish the burgers. Daniel. Well, I think it, it's an important thing to call out. We've talked about this theme before about uh, discrimination. And here it is. You know, Whitney's called it, you know, hey, you didn't get this this advantage. You didn't get this job because of what you knew. The fact that you were a person, you got this job because you were a, a group that we could treat badly. Yeah. And would be beholden to us at Isonite. Not exactly the best recruitment speech, though, <laughs> for trying to recruit an ally but well but she's also calling that out because she's you know in america have you ever felt and she even says it a real man have you ever felt like a real man and she's calling out to say you have you don't have any better prospects this is literally the situation in america so why not join me we have power yeah you can change things so instead she ends up Knock him over the back of the head. Who who did that? She did. Man, Freddie was the distraction. That's right. That's right. Who, who we haven't you? talked about. Distract. We haven't talked about him this episode, but he is also one of her people that she has turned to. And he is one of the few who's totally willing to just do what she wants him to do. Yeah, that she trusts him. I don't get any impression that he is giving any pushback like the rest of the people on the council. Well, he's glad Chadwick's gone. That is true. That is true. Okay. He is a delight. (laughs) Agent Carter. Great, great episode. I mean, we are watching, I think, some of the the coolest and best on TV. It's fun. It's light. It's got meaning. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's light. I mean... no, it has light moments, but then it also has very deep moments. moments. You know what I mean? You keep calling them out. You know, they're making fun of Jarvis. Again, this is the Star Wars thing. You got to mix the tension with the humor. Got to get a little snicker with the moment where you tense up. Mm. Just to keep everybody going. I would say this is slightly more sophisticated than Star Wars, but. Faster more than Ted's. Yeah, this is not that. But you know, this has sophistication, though. It It is light pop entertainment with some sophisticated character arcs. And I'm definitely enjoying what I'm seeing. It was a good time. A good time was had by all, especially if by all you mean you and I. And I'm pretty sure that if we expand that definition to include that listener sitting right there or standing with the earbuds, you in their ear holes, you. Yeah. Or listening in their car, whatever. I, I'm pretty sure we have a lot of people having a good time. We could have more. Braiding's could be better. 
ratings could be better. That is true. But I'm going to just keep saying this. Disney loves Haley. They love her. Hallie. They love her. They gave her a pilot. She gets this show. She's Cinderella's mom. They love her. There. She is someone to be loved. She's great. She is. She is. Even though, I mean, you didn't care for her performance when she was, you know, acting sad when her when her brother uh, died. Wow. Um, that was a really, really, really strong performance that. that I was getting there. And... <sighs> well, should we do it? Should we do what? Go to our next segment. Sure. Ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> SSR Field Report. Uh, Daniel? Yeah, just remember, don't make this segment too long. This is the only thing between me and Deadpool. And Goldberg's. But, um, Daniel, we have some feedback. I don't have the feedback. Um, I'm on my newer computer, and my wife has the older computer, and the older computer is the one that has the access to the Welcome to Level 7 feedback. And so we don't have any feedback today because my daughter is having an overnight party at my in-law's house, and my wife is with those 13-year-old girls, and I am home with my sleeping children. I think the important thing that we hear, Ben, is you don't have to be at a sleepover with 13-year-old girls. Oh, I'm very, very happy <laughs> for that. Unfortunately, that means that I, I don't have access to the, the feedback for for right now, and I wasn't thinking ahead. So I apologize. Here, but, Wait a minute, Ben. I, I've got some breaking feedback. Here, let me hit the button on the sounder. AJ Carter's really good. Yay! Wow, that was some great feedback. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you're closer to Deadpool, and you're closer to Goldberg's. The Goldberg's Weird Al, here I come. So I think that pretty much wraps things up here. I think you're right. Again, all I have to say is Agent Carter's great. Marvel's hitting all... All the feels, all the places we need to be hitting for a great story. They're doing it. Maybe a little bit more fine-tuning, but again, not everything's perfect. Not everything's perfect, but this is pretty close. This is pretty close. And I love the way it's just this kind of short burst. I had someone, I saw a review of Agent Carter first season that kind of described it as uh, the best Marvel movie of the year was on TV, and it was Agent Carter season one. And I would say that's, you know, we've got some pretty good Marvel movies that have come out recently this year, uh, last year, I guess. And we're going to have some good ones coming out later this year. But this is really strong, really strong. And people who are not watching um, are, are missing out on some on some good TV. So, yeah. Well, Daniel, you have any final words? Uh, be kind to each other. No, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. <laughs> nice. All I have to say is, Daniel, I, I just want to give you a word of advice. Okay? You know, you're, you're, you're looking for the season three that's not going to even be about Agent Carter. The season three, it's about Dottie. And, and Daniel, I think in your quest for this, as you're, you're hoping for it, and you're searching for it, and you're yearning for it, Daniel, it's a fool's quest, my friend. It's not going to happen. 
In fact, I would almost say that you're chasing boogeymen down a pit of quicksand. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is Little Lily Swim by Tritachion, found at soundcloud.com slash tri-tachion. All right, Daniel, Deadpool. I have... I'm I'm writing some notes right at the moment so I don't forget things. I have two questions that I'm hoping you can answer for me, okay? I haven't seen the movie. I'm not going to see the movie anytime soon, if at, at all. But my questions for you about this movie that I'm very, very curious about, I'm genuinely curious about, are, first of all, is this version of the character, are they getting at the heart of the character as he's presented in the Marvel Universe? Wait, 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 let me finish. Oh, okay. So that's my first question. And then sub question with that is, is this version of the character hitting the notes of the character that you that attract you to the character second question and then i'll let you just talk hopefully you'll hit these questions but you can just go my second question is is the tone of this movie really in line with the tone of the comic book stories that they put him through as far as the the violence and the raunch because i'm what i'm hearing about the movie i'm thinking are they doing that in the comics? Are they really going that far in the comics? So those are my two questions. Um, because everyone I'm hearing who's raving about this movie is raving because it is so close to the tone and to the, the spirit of a Deadpool comic. And that's what they're doing right. You know, and so that's that's my two main questions. And the other thing is, and you've already kind of done this in some messaging with me, but um, you know what? What'd you like about it? <laughs> so. Okay. Well, let's see if I hit these things. All right. And I'm going to start some different places. All right. So as I sat down and this movie opened, um, it became pretty clear fast that this was going to be a very different superhero movie. Very different than Green Lantern. I'm going to be honest, you know, Green Lantern opens and we get like five minutes of explanatory dialogue that makes no sense. And we're all like, huh? And this movie, it it puts us right in the middle of opening credits. And these opening credits signal something to you. So allow me to tell you some of the stars of the movie. Would you like to hear their names? Sure. There's the comic relief. So there's a hot chick. There's a. Moody teen. Now, is these, this... these are the opening credits that they they flash up. They don't say the names of any of the actors. They literally in the opening oh, okay. credits call out the tropes. There's a CGI character. Probably the one you could pr- figure out pretty quickly. A gratuitous cameo. So here we are in the opening credits. Um, and we're calling out the tropes. Right there, because we're breaking the fourth wall. 
So you don't say Ryan Reynolds stars in Deadpool. I forget what he's listed as. You just kind of right there as you're walking into it. It calls out all the things that you expect to see and tells you that they're here and kind of points a finger at them. And it let me know, especially since some of the credits, the, the producers, for example, uh, they don't say the producer's name. They use the MCU's favorite curse word in plural. And you'd love this. The writers, they're the real heroes. You know, but again, they don't call anybody out by name. They they call out the tropes and you're like, OK, I'm in a different place now. And and I'll again, that Deadpool breaking the fourth wall calling it out sort of thing and you're like okay they might they might just be on track with something here so right from the beginning i'm there i'm like whoa okay this is some different different credits all right then there's ryan reynolds and i feel vindicated because i've said the following for for years been and you've heard it ryan reynolds would make the perfect deadpool when you talk about the nature of Deadpool, basically you got an action hero who is not handsome, but is well built, who's funny. He quips and he quips in a raunchier style than someone like Spider-Man and Reynolds. I've been telling people he can do this based on him on ABC when he was coming up in American television on a guy and a girl in a pizza place, because that's the character he played. He played the handsome quipper and, and he does it. And you know what? Ryan Reynolds is ha is handsome and they make sure to ugly him up and he goes with it. You know, he it, it's not like, you know, sometimes you feel like in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. You know, we got to get Robert out of the suit for a bit. So let's find ways to get him out of the suit because we got to see his face because he's pretty. You know, other than the origin flashbacks, once Ryan's in the UG, he's in the UG. And he quips and he's raunchy and maybe at times too raunchy for kids uh, and raunchier than I'll argue than you see in the comic books. I mean, he, he goes pretty far in the comic books, but maybe not this far. But Reynolds does a great job at being Deadpool. He nails it. And then another thing that really impresses me is, is, you know, Reynolds and his producers and writers, they've really studied Deadpool and they've made sure that for those fans who know the Deadpool library, that they work in characters that are pretty close to their essential nature and get them in this movie. So we get Weasel, you know, he's not quite the Weasel from the comic book for me. I, you know, Weasel didn't tend bar, which is what he does here. But we get Weasel. We get that sidekick who's the comic relief. We get Blind Al. And even though Blind Al, I, do you know who Blind Al is? Nope. <laughs> Blind Al is, is uh, Deadpool's African-American blind roommate. Well, no, actually, she's a white uh, lady in the comic books. And sometimes you get the feeling that he's holding her hostage. Um, but she really, really, really cares for him. And he actually really, really cares for her. And, uh, you know, you get an MCUing of their relationship and why they live together, which fortunately does not involve kidnapping. Um, and you get the sense, even though she doesn't have a ton of scenes, that she cares for who he is. Um, we get Vanessa, who I'll often argue is the love of Deadpool's life, you know, here in the movie. 
And and then probably one of my favorite moments, and they've been saying and joking and saying, oh, they're in hot water over this. And, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil it because it's been in news headlines is Hydra Bob shows up. And what are you thinking when I say Hydra Bob shows up, Ben? That's MCU. Yeah. How do you bring Hydra Bob into Deadpool? And they do. They they do a nice job of it, to be honest. They when he has his big battle at the end, there's a henchman who shows up and Deadpool recognizes him and it's his old buddy Bob. And they have these this conversation back and forth for, you know, about 20 to 30 seconds. But, you know, if you're a big Deadpool fan, you're like, oh, my goodness, it's Hydra Bob. And it's nicely done, and I really hope they don't get in trouble for slipping Bob in. Because um, I'll argue that Hydra Bob is not really a Hydra character. Hydra Bob is a Deadpool character, so let at it. Let him have it. Now, now something that I would say that is different for me, and, and I've said this before, my favorite Deadpool is the Deadpool who's on the hero's journey and not always getting it right. Uh, and this really isn't a Deadpool who's on a hero's journey. He's going to have to do hero things in order to protect the woman that he loves. But this is really kind of a Deadpool who, you know, he steps into the idea that maybe he could be a superhero in order to fight his cancer and to stay alive. But then once he's out of that, he's all about revenge. And we've seen versions of Deadpool that's all about revenge, like Deadpool versus S.H.I.E.L.D., where he needs his monies, preferably in a pillowcase with a dollar bill, a dollar bill sign on it. Um, and so you, I think you could argue that, you know, we're getting a version of Deadpool that we've seen in the comic books, the Deadpool all about revenge. It's just not the Deadpool that I prefer. I prefer the hero's journey. Deadpool it just seems to have more teeth into it. Um, and maybe, maybe you can argue too, that we're getting away from the, the character of Deadpool because Deadpool generally doesn't know all of his past. And this Deadpool does. So he's he's tortured sadly about his physical appearance, which Deadpool in the comics to me, he doesn't really go too far about his physical appearance. He goes more about his own mental angst and instability when he gets down and his own depression. Um, here, if he's depressed, he's depressed because he doesn't look good and Vanessa's not going to want him, which is kind of like, eh, for me. Yeah, but it's what, an hour and 45 minutes or something? Yeah, and you get you get the sense you know they're kind of MCUing some of these things in a non MCU way because the origin is not exactly the same in the comics and how he gets his name isn't exactly the same at all, but it works. It works for this setup um, because again they got to do some stuff fast. So, and even like the bar, you see the you see versions of the bar in some of the early comics. So. There's that. Now, here's the thing that you and I have debated about a little bit. Is this is an X-Men movie. It's yeah. very much an X-Men movie. Uh, here, I'll spoil it. Um, they make him a mutant. It's not a they're stealing Wolverine's power at, at, at Weapon X and then grafting it on. They've awoken his mutant abilities is what they do. And because of the fact that they awoken his uh, mutant abilities, he's gotten attention of a mutant who wants him to be a good guy, which is Colossus. And uh, Warhead, which, you know, you have to laugh because basically they, they straight out say it. You know, we only had um, we only had money for two X-Men and <laughs> it's these two. You know, it's like 
they, they, they go to the mansion and they can't get past the front door. And it's like, what do you think? We got money for this? Basically is what he's saying. Um, but when you've got this Deadpool character that's very raunchy and very rude and very violent. And I mean, that's something I know you don't like about him is the fact that he's a murderer who murders and he really doesn't have any consequences. And you see that here. You see the violence. I'd say it's co- it's treated in the same way as the comic books where it's light humored and kind of so over the top that you have a hard time saying, oh, this seems real. Um, but I, this is an X-Men movie. And Colossus, this version of Colossus, which is really only done in CGI, is a great mentor figure because he's really trying hard to get Deadpool, this mutant who's got incredible abilities and a bad attitude. He's really trying hard to help him understand what being a hero is. And he, if Deadpool fails, he's forgiving in that. And what he has to say about being a hero is something that, you know, maybe we could talk about you and me off air because I don't want to spoil that if you haven't seen it yet. But it really does give it a, a great emotional heart for something that's really CGI driven. Um, and there are references to Professor X and some great jokes around that. A lot of well, I think there's like three Wolverine jokes. Um, it just it's an X-Men movie. And we have references to the MCU because I, I think you may have noticed, Ben, that there was a recent discussion about one of the sets is a helicarrier. And there's two post credits and the post credits even call out, you know, Samuel L. Jackson. You know, who'd you expect? Um, and again, it it takes all these tropes and does what a Deadpool comic does, which is call out the tropes and kind of point at them. Some of the things that you like about good Howard the Duck, to be honest, when Deadpool's working really, really well, it's kind of like a violent good Howard the Duck. Fair enough. See, and I have no idea what that note says. Oh, it's small. It's a small movie. It really is about Deadpool and the woman he loves. Um, it's not like we're lifting cities. No, it's not like the whole entire world is at stake. It's what's at stake is literally a few people. Um, now, for the non-Deadpool fans, here's some things I'll say. This is my wife's review. Are you ready? Mrs. Butcher said the following. It was funny, it was weird, and it was gross. That sounds She's like She's glad she saw it. Pretty good review. <laughs> but I mean she if you're expecting it to be a non-Rachi movie, it's not gonna happen. If you're expecting it to not have violence and I mean, this is Deadpool. He regenerates, he cuts off his own hand at one point. You know? You're gonna see stuff like that. And then again, definitely, I, I mean, we've seen a lot of posts about this from a lot of people. It's not for kids. It's absolutely not. Um, I'm pretty pretty relaxed with some of the stuff my kids see, especially with action violence. And uh, I honestly can't tell you when my kids will see this. I'm actually more comfortable with my kids seeing Kingsman. Well, my oldest seeing Kingsman. My youngest is not seeing Kingsman anytime soon. Um. But again, I just there's just things I don't want to talk about. You know, some of his raunchy comments, I don't want to have questions directed towards me because I'm not watching it so that my kids can 
learn about sex. <laughs> I'm watching because I want to have fun. All right. All right. Did I hit it all? I think you did. I think you okay, did. So uh, there's one thing I forgot to say. What's that? I did like it. I did. But I don't think you needed to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a perfect movie. It's not Captain America the Winter Soldier. It's it's a good little movie. And in the day where our Marvel Cinematic Universe dumps so much money into these movies, it's kind of nice to see a movie with a small budget. <laughs> You know, around fifty million. <laughs> you know, have some great success. It really is, and and I'm really happy for Ryan Reynolds and his team because they kept working at it. You know, and they leaked that footage, and but they never really gave up on it. They never gave up on their vision. And uh, you hear them talk about these jokes. There's a few jokes in the movie about the money. You know, what did you think? We got money for that? And then you go and you you read some of the things that they cut out of the movie because they didn't have the money. You know, they made sure when they cut things out, they still kept what they thought was the heart of who Deadpool was. Though, again, in Deadpool number two, I really want to see him consciously, if possible, trying to go on a hero's journey. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think because I'm I'm wondering... Why? Why mess with success? And that's that's the that's the Hollywood executive way. So. Well, and the reason I'd argue you mess with success on this one is because you need to have him grow. You do. You need. And I think that's one of the the problems with Deadpool and comic books is, you know, a good writer realizes that Deadpool has to grow. And so when you talk about reboots and resets, and I, I you and I were messaging about DC Rebirth the other day. If you have Deadpool grow too much, then there's really no tension and drama anymore. So you have to find ways to make him forget something, make him have to refine who he is. You have to do stuff to reset him. Yeah, but that's not just Deadpool. I mean, that's almost any continuing character. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, it's not like we're going to see 30 years of Deadpool movies, you know. So they could do in movies an arc. And I hope they do. I, Vanessa needs an arc, too, in my mind. I mean, you don't see Vanessa ever using superpowers, and she does have some in the comics. Whew. All right. <clears throat> Cover everything? I think the, those are my big notes that I have. All right. Well, my big notes were I didn't see it. It made a lot of money. And Deadpool's not for Ben. Just ask Captain America. I, I got just... Hope the lesson learned is not make another movie like Deadpool and shoehorn your characters into it, but make a movie like Deadpool and get creators who care and put them, you know, in a situation where they're able to pull on the things that make the characters work. I just don't want Wolverine three to be Deadpool two and a half. Well, it's sounding like X-Force is going to be. But I'll argue that with X-Force and its tradition, you could do that. X-Force is very, very violent. There's some very, very violent versions of X-Force that would definitely lean towards the R-rated side. Even the most recent ones. I'm just saying, I mean, that's what they're saying now is X-Force is going to be a a Deadpool vehicle. Yeah, I think it makes sense for X-Force to be R. 
I don't think it makes sense for X-Men to, I mean, that's why they have X-Force is so that they can have that harder, more edgy, more violent version. And so I think we need to follow that tone in the movies. You know, let's let kids watch X-Men and then I won't take my kids to X-Force. And I mean, heck, you can even argue that Suicide Squad, it's PG for 13, for heaven's sakes. And that's really the DC version of X-Force in tone. Well, we'll see. I I still think that's just a weird choice (laughs) that they're doing that. No, Suicide Squad? Yeah. Well, they're doing... I love classic Suicide Squad. I love Ostrander Suicide Squad. I just think it's a weird choice for, like, that's their second step in building the their own DC cinematic universe. Yeah, I, I would agree. It seems, it seems like a C level title. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact that I think it's good. Well, but John you, yeah, but I mean, that's where, you know, we, we finally got to Ant-Man, you know, although I guess you could argue that most of the MCU is, is B listers, but Ant-Man is definitely a C list character, but they were able to do that because they had earned, the cachet to do it. So, and the same with Deadpool. I mean, they've had how many years of X-Men movies before they got to do this, this offbeat one. Well, and they didn't get to do this because of the X-Men movies. They got to do it because Ryan Reynolds didn't stop. And it made them back their money. That's all they care. I mean, you can make a choice like this, but you know, they're sinking money into it. There's they're 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 gambling on Ryan Reynolds and his, his passion. So, all right. Sounds good. Glad you had fun, my friend. Hey, should we take a should we pause for a second, put in a little spoiler, and then I'll tell you about the Stanley cameo and you'll you'll tell me how much you hate it. Put in a little spoiler. Do I have that here? Okay, here it comes. Spoilers. 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 All right. So they're saying this is the best Stanley cameo, which is wrong because the best Stanley cameo is Big Hero Six. Well, they're also saying it's the best superhero movie ever. Yeah, which it's not the best superhero movie ever. Basically, um, Stanley's kind of he's the DJ at a strip club. Oh, okay. So I mean, it fits some of Stan stuff when Stan gets a little edgy, but it also, you know, they're talking about how he created Stripperella. You know, eh. I think I think people think it's just funny to put Stan in situations like that. And I think Stan thinks it's funny to put himself in situations like that. But 93 year old DJ in a strip club. I liked it better in uh, Age of Ultron. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. I call it an evening. All right. If you want to. I do. It's time for you to watch some Goldbergs. Time to me. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something that's not related to Deadpool. How's You're going to do some editing. Uh, I don't want to. The people are demanding it, Benjamin. Okay. Well, that's it then. Talk to you later, man. Later, bye.